What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to a midday edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman, and back again with Glenn Naughton. Glenn, how are we doing? It's been so long. It is, man. I, I, I don't even know how long it's been. I've been having so much craziness going on in real life that, you know, I'm putting up videos if and when I can, and we haven't even discussed the possibility of a show of late. Um, just till yesterday, we said, hey, let's do one tomorrow. So glad to glad to be back for one. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully good things coming. Yeah, definitely. Good things have come and good things continue to seem like they're coming in the near future. As far as the Jets are concerned, we can start with the one that's not really good news or news, really. But somebody tried to take some pot shots at the Jets this morning. Uh, Sean Payton, the head coach, the new head coach of the Denver Broncos who needed to be traded for and who also had a uh, big scandal that happened in the league, decided to take some shots at the Jets, say that they're just trying to win the offseason and, and we'll see it on hard knocks as if we begged them to let us go on the show. I think it was quite the opposite, actually. But then Sala follows up by saying he's not really going to comment, but then does say, <laughs> if you don't have any haters, you ain't popping. So really happy to see Sala, you know, kind of take those subtle shots back. He's like, we don't play them till week four. I think it's actually week five. So you don't really, why are you looking at the Jets at this point in July? So yeah. what are your thoughts real quick on Sean Payton before we get into the real news? I mean, surprising more than anything, you know, Payton's kind of known as like a high character guy, even, even with the scandal he had, that was, that was his coordinator. That's the type, that's the type of stuff that it wouldn't surprise me if it's going on with a few teams. Um, I, you know, I understand not, not to delve too far into their bounty gate thing, but really that was like, I don't remember seeing anything where they told the players to do anything illegal. They basically said, you hit a dude hard enough that you knock him out. We're going to give you money. Like, that's already the deal. You're already hitting the guy as hard as you can anyway. So it's not like they told them to go above and beyond and injure guys. But, yeah, for coaches to go after teams like that is really, even as a whole, coaches generally don't do that in this era. Um, so to hear him randomly, and it's like, the, you know, the question is, like, so they should have stuck with Zach Wilson so as to not try to win the offseason? Like, what, what are they supposed to do? You know, it's not like the Jets are talking trash. Of course, the Jets are a story because they added a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, but just very weird. Very, like, I mean, the, the, more, the more surprising thing to me was saying that, you know, the coaching job Hackett did last year was one of the worst in league history. That was like, that, that I mean, that was a, at least the other comments were sort of pointed at the organization. But that was a personal shot at Hackett. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, listen, maybe he's hearing things from people in the building that really bothered him. We don't know what's going on, what happened behind the scenes. Um, all surprising is the number one word I would use to describe it. Um, I know Salah said what he said, but I really wish Salah would have said, you know, I don't have anything for Sean, you know, and just not say anything about it. But you could tell it bothered him, which is quite unlikely. Yeah, I definitely think when you take a direct shot at one of Rob Salah's guys, whether it's a former employee of his or not, it doesn't matter. He's going to go to bat for them. So I think that was kind of the the tipping point of what all of Sean's Pay Sean Payton's comments were. But yeah, just kind of unnecessary, surprising. I tweeted it out. I didn't have that on my bingo card going into this offseason, catching strays from Sean Payton. Now that he's yeah, out of the media, like if oh, he man. was still in the media, I could understand it because hmm. it seems like that's the hot topic is to pile on the Jets. Oh, the Jets yeah. are being forced down everybody's throat, whatever. But not when you're a coach in the NFL and, and they're going to be on the schedule in, in a little over two months. We're going to see the uh, the Denver Broncos in their house. But we know how it went last I mean, year. It was a one-score game. And 
if if there's any game that the that the Jets are going to want to try to run it up this year, you know, but that 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 Denver team is a good team. I mean, let's not let's Absolutely. let's not try to you know let's be honest that what was that team was so disappointing last year and Hackett did get fired. It wasn't a good job, but um, you know the the interesting thing about the Broncos last year was the um, the number of times we saw all these these whether it was online you know fans on Twitter or or ESPN or NFL like. They showed a bunch of plays where guys were wide open, standing in front of Russell Wilson, waving their arms, and he wasn't seeing them. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not like he wasn't scheming people open. Um, the quarterback didn't do a good job. So you know maybe Russ has a bounce back year. I don't know, but it um, it was it's just like I said, it's just strange. Like how is this conversation even happening? What's going on? Like it, that that's what I thought. I was like I was like why are they catching a stray from Sean Payton? Like just coach your team, dude. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of this had to stem from, I guess, the pomp and circumstance around Aaron Rodgers and the whole offseason of trying to acquire him. But after yesterday, I mean, you really can't say anything negative about Aaron Rodgers unless you purely just don't like the guy. And I feel like that's the case with a lot of people, especially on social media. But we can get into the good news here. Aaron Rodgers restructured his deal. It was a long time coming. Connor Hughes, you know, alluded to it like days after he got traded that it was coming. Everybody's going to be happy. Nobody expected to be this happy. Aaron Rodgers' original deal was two years, $110 million guaranteed. Uh, he had to renegotiate that with the Packers to become a Jet in the first place. And now his new deal is two years, $75 million fully guaranteed, which is a, a haircut of $35 million off the top of his contract that he's just not going to see. It's not a matter of phony, he's going to see the money in four years or whatever when he's done playing. No, this is not going to be in the contract at all. I had the contract details right here. I think he has a $1.8 million base for 2023, and then it escalates up to $38 million for 2024. This is per Albert Breer. No tag clause, no trade clause, but they can use team options to prorate that money over four dummy years and get that money to come down. So that would become more of a bonus for Rodgers. So in total, it looks like he's going to get maybe two years, $80 million out of the Jets total. But that to me, that says one of two things. You have Aaron Rodgers for 2023, you win the Super Bowl, and he rides off into the sunset and nobody really cares. Or two, you have him for two, maybe three seasons potentially, and you have a shot to be one of those teams in the AFC that can come out and go to the Super Bowl. So either way, I'm excited. I thought the deal was way more than I could have even thought way more than everybody projected. So what were your thoughts on the Rodgers? I know you did a solo video. Yeah, I mean, listen, my two biggest issues with the deal when when it was when it was coming to be was that that they were inheriting one of the worst contracts in the NFL. And Rodgers himself said on McAfee, um and I pointed this out, he didn't mention a pay cut and and he wouldn't if he hadn't that I wouldn't blame him. Like he was entitled to what he signed for. Um, you know, but when he mentioned it on McAfee, he just said, I understand if I go to the Jets, we'll have to move some things around, which that made my expectation was, you know, the void years, the, the, whatever they would have to do to move the money around. But I fully expected him to get all the money. And again, I, I wasn't angry at Aaron Rodgers for that. I was angry at the fact that the Jets, it looked as if they were going to have enormous cap hits for years to come after he was gone for that to go away, for him to voluntarily be like, here, I, as as happy as we are, how mad the Packers fans have to be right now. I mean, they won't say it out loud. They'll pretend they're, you know, whatever, don't care. But literally every single thing that's come out of Green Bay since this started has been wrong. Um, 
you know, the whole, well, there was, I forget the guy's name that the guy, he was all, I hate the damn, the Twitter recommended thing. That's the only reason this idiot kept popping up on my feed, but there was the writer who was like, you can write this down, bookmark the tweet. The Packers are getting the Russell Wilson package yeah. for Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be multiple ones. It's going to be Quinnen. Um, Roger, you're getting a selfish prima donna who's not going to show up to camp and he's not going to, he's not going to be friendly with his teammate. Like literally every single thing they've said about the only thing they've gotten right about him from the day this started is his name. Everything else has been completely off and Packers fans and rightfully so. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. Like I know it's like the, you know, it's always the loud minority of lunatics that are making all this noise. I'm sure there are like sane, normal Packers fans who are like, what the hell's going on right now? Like, you know, who weren't like all emotional when everything was going on. So I feel for those Packers fans, but it's hilarious for the ones who thought that they were getting Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner and a bunch of ones. And the Jets fans were idiots for thinking that it wasn't going to go down that way um, to get a selfish player who was all about himself, hands over 35 million and says, yeah, you don't have to pay me that much. I like it here. Yeah, we don't have to mention the specific host of Locked On Packers name. You can find him on Twitter very easily. Uh, but... Is that the guy? Does he host yeah. the show? Yeah, okay, Locked on Packers. It's a daily podcast that he does. Um, but it, I do want to shout out the real fans, the real Packers fans, like Aaron Nagler, who quote tweeted him this morning because Rodgers reached out to Jordan Love, Jordan Love before that, camp. Yeah. And this host had something bad to say about it. So Aaron Nagler quote tweeted it and was like, of course you would say that because it's against your anti-Rodgers narrative. So there are people out there that just truly don't like the guy anymore. And yeah. then there's Packers fans. Um that do love the guy and that are still posting highlights of him. Oh, I, I've seen like, Packers fans say that they're Jets fans now, you know? Yes, exactly. They're going to be pseudo Jets fans following us. And like, I understand you have to follow the pick until the pick is determined that it is a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers, but you don't need to stalk the team this bad and say everything negative about a guy when a highlight is posted and he's throwing a ball to a UDFA who's making a nice play. So I, I, I think, uh, the Rodgers is a bad guy and is a sour jerk kind of left in Green Bay. And maybe it does pop up in New York, but it's not, it doesn't look to be the case so far through at least a month and a half of camp and whatnot from him. So, and listen, maybe the way they were treating him in Green Bay by drafting defensive players every year, maybe yeah, he wasn't exactly. being sour and, and ornery and mad every day. Like, but maybe he had a reason. But then he comes here and he's got all these young weapons to work with. And they're basically, you know, putting him in charge. So he's really got yeah. nothing to be unhappy about here. They're doing everything they can to make him happy. And um, and let's hope that results in a Lombardi trophy. Exactly. One thing that could potentially make Aaron Rodgers happy, but I know personally would make me very happy, is this free agent signing with the Jets. That is Dalvin Cook, set to make a visit. I believe it was Carton first had it yesterday that he was going to visit with the Jets this weekend. Then it became big popular news, the Schefters of the world tweeting it out. He is coming to New York to visit with the Jets anytime between today and Sunday. I think Josina Anderson said Sunday. Maybe that timeline is moved up after the Rodgers deal opens up a little bit more money for the team to be flexible with their roster. But Dalvin Cook is a guy I've mentioned. I've, I've pounded the drum for him numerous times. Obviously, you have to acknowledge the elephant in the room of those potential legal allegations against him that are out there. If those are all cleaned up, I mean, this guy seems like a no, no-brainer pick. And Rob Sala said it today. It's not a matter of, we don't believe in Brees, Michael, Bam, uh, Travis, uh, uh, Israel. We don't believe in any of those guys. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of adding to your team and just making it the best to go win a Super Bowl. He 
drew, drew back and didn't say dream team because if you say dream team, everything just kind of goes down. And you, the can't, you can't say dream team. And, and really... I appreciate that because this isn't a dream team. This roster is far from the best roster in the NFL. I think it's still the Eagles, but the Jets have made numerous strides to become the best roster and they're doing the best they can. It's not a dream team, but I like that he said that it's a matter of correct fit in the scheme not a matter of just collecting names for fantasy purposes. So Dalvin Cook, I don't think we've gotten your official official uh, stance on Dalvin Cook since we've been on the pod. It's been a while, but what, what are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook's visit? Well, you know, I was I went from like, yeah, if you want to get him, get like I don't I'm not crazy about signing him. I wouldn't have anything against it initially. But now as as the season gets closer and we know that, you know, with with Brees seems to be proceeding nicely. Um, you know, I'm a big Izzy guy, you know, I was watching, um, a North Carolina game a couple days ago from, uh, two seasons ago and watching Michael Carter and was kind of reminded of how good he is. You know, he's not great, but he's a, he's a four plus yard to carry guy. If the O line is intact last year was a disaster. And the more it goes on, I'm like, you know, and this is kind of in line with what Salah says. Oh, it's not that we dislike those guys, but we want to get better. It bothers me. Cause I'm like, well, DeAndre Hopkins would have made you better too. But but you didn't want him, you know. So and as I said, if if you could if you could have moved Corey Davis, that would have cost you two or three million dollars, um, you know, by by clearing Davis. But but Cook, I'm kind of if they get him, fine. But I feel like with Aaron Rodgers and the backs they have and the receivers they have, they've got enough on offense to win football games. Um, it almost feels like spending for the sake of spending. Um, and again, it's it it's kind of I know no one called them out on it, but. That's my reaction to it. Oh, we like our guys, but this is a chance to get better. Well, you like your receivers and you had a chance to get better, but you passed up on that. Um, so I would have no problem with Cook. I wouldn't be upset, but I wouldn't be, you know, doing backflips because and it's and the money's gonna matter too. Like if this is more if this is like a seven or eight million dollar deal for a short-term rental on a bag, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not liking it. You know, if it's four or five million, you live with it. But, um, you know, he's flying. I mean, he tweeted out last night that he was getting on a plane. So I would imagine the visit's going to be sooner rather than later. And he said himself, you know, I know Carton said that, oh, the Jets are the top, his, his top choice. He already said in an interview publicly, like, Miami's the perfect fit. He wants yes. to be a Dolphin. Um, But Miami's not making a big enough offer. So, you know, we've contemplated, is he kind of using the Jets to up Miami's offer? Listen, maybe the Jets are using him to get Miami to pay more. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think the interest is genuine. That's that's probably not the case. It was just a kind of thought I had earlier. But I think they do want him. If they get him, fine. I would rather go with what they've got. Um, in, and, and, you know, Salah can say they like those guys, but one of them ain't making the roster if you sign Cook. Um, you know, so somebody goes to the practice squad or doesn't make it. But – yeah, not against it, but I would I would rather stick with what they have, save the money, the cap space for, you know, another day. Yeah, in terms of the money, I mean, you just look at the Saquon Barkley deal and the price that he got, I think it was one year up to 11 million, but the, million, the guaranteed yeah. was only two something million. So it wasn't like he was guaranteed this big lump sum of money that Dalvin seems to be searching for. I kind of fall into that range. You said at four to five million. If you can get some incentives, get them up to seven, eight, eight and a half million, that's fine because some of those incentives seem like they're never going to hit anyway. Like get 1,200 yards while Brees Hall is sharing snaps with you. I don't think that's possible, those types of things. But yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know what the money is exactly going to look like. But I mean, just from the perspective of what the Packers and Hackett and Rodgers did in 2020, 2021, you give me that Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams type of backfield with 
Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook probably being better than those two, then yeah, I'm all on board. You're, you have a number one running back room in the NFL, like hands down. So I'm just very intrigued by it, but I can understand if they don't want to spend the dollars and Hey, they, they're not going to pay that jets tax. I think yesterday put that to bed, RIP, the jets tax, the same old jets mentality, it's dead and gone. So I don't think they're going to go out and pay 4 million extra for a guy just to keep no. him out of Miami. And I can, I can see that point of maybe they're just flirting with him to make Miami pay more. He's also going to visit with the Patriots. So there's AFC East teams bidding over the same player and it's going to get a little dicey. Uh, Zach Rosenblatt did say he wouldn't be surprised if this ended up in a signing, which is probably the closest we've seen a, a beat reporter, anybody endorsing this deal. So it's going to be a, a very interesting for a while. If he's at the point where he's coming in and didn't Salah, somebody tweeted out, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was, this is what You're made fine. me think, Oh, this could happen today. I thought Salah or someone, someone tweeted out that someone said they wanted to bring him in for some medical stuff. That's normally like, we got to check you out before you sign. You know, yes. when, when you're down to the physical, that's a deal. You yeah, know, and, so if you're bringing him in for that and then not signing him, that's that's pretty weird. Like, we're going to fly you out here to look at you. Yeah, you're healthy. Take care. That that would be weird. And somebody was quoting Carton on Twitter, and I believe he said, and I'm not saying Carton is a perfectly credible source, but that the Jets and Dalvin Cook's uh, agent were only $1 million apart. So if that's even close to being true and you're that close to a deal, you coming in for a medical and a physical and all that, like, you're – pretty much going to sign if you're that close and it's just a matter of a couple thousand a couple million dollars so yeah it could be a very exciting weekend um i think they do have one practice this weekend that's open to the fans i believe it's sunday so if if fans are out there and dalvin cook somehow makes a signing or a, a appearance even if he doesn't you know suit up and play everything but just goes through the warm-ups and the individual mm-hmm. drills that would be exciting for the fans to see so that, that'd be cool you mentioned another guy that they had a chance to get and that was DeAndre Hopkins. And that brings me to another piece of news that there's rumors that uh, Devontae Adams, excuse me, could become a Jet by the deadline this year or by 2024. And we talked about it off air. Is that rumors Um, or is that fans hoping? Right, exactly. I don't want to put too much stock into it, but when you consider the fact, and this is going to be right up your alley, Garrett Wilson told people on Twitter he was changing his number from 17 to 5 next year. And somebody tweeted back and said, because TA or DA, excuse me, his number is 17. Garrett Wilson liked the tweet. So when I saw that, I was like, hey, you know, anything is possible with this team. It's obviously just young players being hyped. It could be that. But if there's any, any possibility of Devontae Adams on this Jets team, him, Lazard, Wilson, Corey Davis, I'm stoked. So that would be. I think I think exciting. Davis goes in that scenario. I think if right. you bring him in, but I think at that point people are going to call it a dream team. I mean, you can't have Garrett Wilson, Devonte Adams. Uh, so that's, at this point, it is it, it is a dream at this point. I just don't see it happening. I I understand Aaron Rodgers gave up some money, but you know you still got to pay other guys. And uh, Devonte's his his cap hits on his current deal, which mm-hmm. again you could rework. Are enormous. I mean, if they're that, if if Rodgers and Adams are that close, like why wouldn't have Rodgers made it work in Green Bay and taken the cut then, even if he didn't like the Packers? Um, I don't know. It just seems uh, I'm not even going to go down that road. I guess is the way I would put it. That's that's like let's just throw in there that we're going to get T.J. Watt while we're at it. You know, it's like yeah, uh, right. We'll keep it on the back, back, back burner, but I'm just going to say at this point right now that almost anything seems possible with this team right now. Any player. Doesn't seem like they're off limits, maybe like the TJ Watts of the world, of course. But if they're a free agent or a pending free agent entering the final year of their contract and the Jets in this win now mode seem to be 
serious about, you know, doing whatever they can to better themselves. So we, we will just see, but we'll keep it on the back burner. Um, the final piece of this is obviously going to be the training camp update. We haven't uh, been on the show. I did a show last week by myself just covering the first practice, and we've had six since then. Uh, so seven total practices. So you and I are just going to take the last 10, 15 minutes here and just break down what we've seen from practice. Um, today, it seemed like the offense won, but it has not been that way ever since. I've kind of been keeping a running tally. And over seven practices, it seems like it's pretty split, three and three. And then the one day the coaches did push-ups at the end of the practice, it was the defensive coaches, which makes me think the offense won. But for right now, I'm going to keep it at a three to three split, which we set it offline. And I know this didn't apply in years past when it was said, but iron sharpens iron. Sauce, Sauce Gardner on Garrett Wilson, this D-line making this O-line better, Aaron Rodgers making the DBs better, everything about Aaron this. Aaron Rodgers making the defense better. Yes, Everybody, exactly. You know, that's the, what The number of defensive players that say that Aaron Rodgers has come by and had conversations with him and just put little like pieces of information on their head, like, hey, when I did this, I saw you do that, and yeah. you're not supposed to do that. Like that little, even CJ Mosley, who's in his 30s, who's a, a captain, a veteran on this team, he's pulling information from a guy like Rodgers. So it's just incredible to see him, you know, spread his wings, so to speak, and not just take the offense under his wings, but the entire team. So I'm very excited to see that. Um, we do have a little bit of an injury report. It's kind of getting a little lengthy at certain positions. Makai Becton was back out at practice after missing one day with his knee. Alan Lazard was only doing warm-ups with tightness in his left leg. Corey Davis had an illness, a, a viral illness, according to Robert Sala. So he just stayed away, did not even come to the facility today. And then the big one, the scary one, Garrett Wilson rolled his ankle on a deep pass, a little bit of double coverage, came up limp, went off with the trainers, didn't come back. Sala said early indications are positive, but that makes still makes me nervous with the ankle. It's probably going to be one of those, you know, day-to-day, week-to-week things that could drag on. But that was kind of the main one, and, and I was wondering what your level of concern is if you lose a guy like Garrett Wilson, even for a couple weeks of uh, training camp. Yeah, well, listen, it's obviously it's going to sting. I mean, camp, I'm not too worried about it because they seem to be gelling really well. If mm-hmm. you're going to get dinged up, you want it to happen now because there's plenty of time to get better. And, you know, it's Garrett Wilson. They're not, they're not going to run him out there until he's 100% ready to go. So that, you know, that doesn't worry me at this point, obviously in season, um, this, this is why Corey Davis is so interesting. You know, we've talked and I think we, you know, we both feel like Davis should be the wide receiver too. I don't know that he will be, I think he should be, but he, he's a nice player to have around. If you were to lose either Lazard or Wilson for, uh, either whether it's a few weeks or a long term, he's, he's a really good player. So their depth at receiver is, is really good. Um, so it's, it's, and again, with that injury being at this early, it, it sounds like it's a minor thing. It didn't look too terrible. You know, the angles weren't great on, you know, the the couple of clips that circulated. So it looks like it's tweaked. He walked off. He wasn't, he didn't appear to be limping too badly. So I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. Yeah. And, and I'm just, you know, whenever you see a big name player like that go down, you always kind of hold your breath. But like you said, it's training camp. It's not the regular season. They're not going to play in the Hall of Fame game. At least all the starters aren't. So you get into that second game, I believe, against Carolina on the 12th. And if he can't go for that game, then, you know, it's kind of an issue. But like, like you said, it's not really an issue right now in camp. But that's that's really it for the injury report. We do have a couple players working their way back from PUP. Uh, CJ Uzama came back. Dwayne Brown and Randall Cobb are still going through individuals. So they're they're ramping back up. They're, they'll probably 
I don't know, since they're projected starters, I'd say maybe they come back after the Hall of Fame game. Sala just, you know, doesn't need them to practice if they're not going to play in that August 3rd game. So perhaps uh, that'll be the case with Brown and Cobb. Um, when asked about the offensive line, Aaron Rodgers did mention Dwayne Brown and said he obviously doesn't need to be at 100% strength. And it's going to be one of those cases where just listening to the the messaging from coaches and other players, Dwayne Brown is pretty much in Sharpie, the left tackle of this team. I know he said they say it's a competition between him and Makai, but I really think Dwayne Brown's going to come back and just take all those first team left tackle reps. And then you'll have a, a mixture of Mitchell, uh, Turner, and Becton at the right tackle spot. So just the offensive tackle position in general, all those competitions, do you think they're real competitions or do you think that they're kind of chalk with Brown and Becton being the guys until we see something different? Yeah, I think they're set with Brown at left tackle. I think the only way, if they're going to rotate them through, I mean, rotate them through is a good idea anyway, just just to keep guys even a little bit familiar and comfortable playing different spots in case guys get hurt. I'm always a big fan of keeping guys, you know, try to, if they have some versatility, kind of sustain that. Uh, but I, the only way it would go, the only way Brown wouldn't start is if Becton just came in and, A, stayed on the damn field um, and just 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 dominated. Just He would have to play at such you know, at a level so much higher than Brown to win that spot. I just don't see it happening. Um, what worries me is this talk about Billy Turner at right tackle. Um, not not what I thought I'd be hearing, you know, and I, the couple times I have heard his name, it's because somebody's, you know, ragged on him or, or beating him on a, you know, beating him around the edge. Like he he doesn't have the the greatest resume and he's, you know, there's talk of him being a starter at a key spot. I mean, I, I hope like hell it's it's Brown and Becton because that means the two best tackles are healthy and on the field. Um, if it's Turner and they're sitting Becton, I would be – I mean, he's just too good a player to sit. I, I get the frustration with the injuries, but if he's healthy, you don't sit him. It's it's not even it's not even close, really, between him and Turner. So I know, like, Brian Costello went on a show and said he thought Becton would sit behind Turner, and Samini said maybe a trade. The trade thing is – it's on the one hand, it's hard to imagine, but – on the other, every time you reread those quotes from that interview, it's like, ah, I can see it happening. Um, you know, I said at the time, ill-advised, um, bad job by Becton's people letting that happen. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's got to be Brown unless Becton is just absolutely, you know, playing it a sort of looking like an all-pro type player at left tackle. Yeah, I agree. And, and tonight at 630, Chris Schubert and I are going to be diving way into this offensive line, giving our rankings and, and roster bucketing every single player on the offensive line. But when it comes to Billy Turner, I look at him through a lens of, okay, if he was my backup right guard, right tackle, even backup left tackle, I'd say he's solid. But the second you put him into that starting five role, I'm immediately, I put him down a tier. I'm like, okay, now I have a lot of question marks. I don't know if he's the best five for the team. I definitely think Mekhi Becton, if healthy, is part of that best five, whether yeah. it's the left or right side. I feel like just based off the, the you know, puzzling of the offensive line, you have to put him at right because of Dwayne Brown's non-flexibility. But he is one of your best five. He's probably your second best offensive lineman behind AVT on a good day. Now, Dwayne Brown's probably that guy right this second, but Mekhi Becton could easily be better than Dwayne Brown with a healthy full season. So it's really going to be tough to see. He mentioned the interior. This is Rogers again, mentioning the interior of the offensive line that he felt good about it. And that offensive line was including McGovern at center. Um, obviously after day one of practice, there were some exchange issues between McGovern and Rogers. Obviously those have seemed to be ironed out, but 
I kept saying that this was going to be Joe Titman's job. So I thought, you know, hey, maybe Joe Titman by this time would be working in with the ones more. It doesn't seem to be the case. Schweitzer's working with the twos, snapping to Zach Wilson. And then Titman is snapping mostly to Boyle and Strevler. So what are your thoughts on Joe Titman so far? I know it's been quiet, but sometimes for an offensive lineman, that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, I I kind of said when when he was drafted, I didn't like it because I thought McGovern could win the job. Then I kind of talked myself into like he's second round pick, you know, high ceiling. I think he's going to start, and I th- I think I said at the time I think he starts or worst case scenario kind of steals the job by week five or six. Maybe you do start the year with McGovern with the tougher schedule, and even schedule aside, like you you, you know wanting the more experienced guy in there um, early on, you know, to to start the season. So. I think Tipman will end up being the guy eventually, on you know, unless uh, Aaron Rodgers says, "Look, I, I like the vet. Like, I want this is the guy I'm comfortable with." So then that's that's who they'll go with, obviously. But I think Tipman is good enough to take that job at some point. Will he? It'll. I think that's going to depend on on what Aaron Rodgers wants. Um, as far as the rest of the interior, like the name I've only heard one time, um, and really a guy who we haven't talked about enough because he's. Uh, he was so bad last year, and there's so much else going on. But Tomlinson, like, I want to know how Lakin Tomlinson looks. Does he look yep. like? Does he look like the guy they signed, the Pro Bowler that everybody was raving about, or does he look like the guy who was really getting beaten bad badly last year? Um, that's that's a an important, a really important question. Probably the most important question that's not getting talked about on this team right now is like, how does Lakin Tomlinson look? Yeah, and there's been quite a bit of buzz for Wes Schweitzer. I know he's taking center snaps, but. Wes Schweitzer is getting a lot of buzz so far. And I think if he decides that, you know, he's not going to be the center one, if he loses that battle, maybe he does push Lakin for left guard reps or what, what have you. And so there's so, so many options with this offensive line. I kind of come back to it's chalk Brown Becton. Uh, those are your tackles Lakin and ABT are your guards. And then center is probably the one that's the most up in the air. But mm-hmm. like I said, it's probably, it should be tipped in probably going to be McGovern. But like you said, Aaron Rodgers is like the deciding factor with center specifically, but you get into, you know, live action games. And if somebody's getting beat two, three times on a drive, Aaron Rodgers is going to let the coaches know they're going to make a change immediately. And that's why I think having a guy like Billy Turner coming off the bench is better than starting with Billy Turner, because then I think you get down too much of a wormhole if Billy Turner doesn't pan out as one of your starters. Um, The last last little bit I wanted to get into were some under-the-radar names that were popping up, a lot of UDFAs, um, namely the wide receivers. Obviously, there's a lot of injuries today, so Jason Brownlee stepped up, your guy, Jason Brownlee. You've mm-hmm. pretty much put your stamp on that since day one. So kudos to you for calling that one out. How do you keep him off the roster at this point? You you have to start looking around at other uh, positions to start taking away from or potentially cutting a guy like Randall Cobb, who you just paid $3 million to. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm, I'm working on a 53-man projection right now. And um, I just saw a tweet yesterday that I responded to. Uh, like Wayne Corbett tweeted out a picture of himself. Uh, or an old yes. you know, newspaper article of himself. And and I remember thinking back to, uh, you know, back then I was in high school that year and I was working in a supermarket and I used to wait for the paper to come in. You know, they deliver the paper like 4 a.m. or whatever time. And that was the first thing I do. I'd rip one out and just go right to the sports section and read the recap of, of training camp. And Crebet was the only name that I saw every day. And that's what we're seeing right now with Jason Brownlee. Like mm-hmm. you're seeing different names every day, but you see he's one, he's in there every day. Um, and he's a guy, I, I thought he had a good chance to make the roster 
when he was going to have to beat out Denzel Mims. Once Denzel Mims got shipped off, I thought that that's that's his opportunity now. If he just keeps doing what he's done since he got here, he's going to make the roster. Um, the, you know, the thing, the interesting piece to me is Gibson because he's the guy to me that Cobb is blocking. And he's the guy who, I don't know if you saw Brian Baldinger tweeted out. Yes, that, I did. You know, he watched him working and he thought he thought it was Garrett Wilson. I mean, look, I, I and I said it a couple of times, I'm, I think after they signed uh, Gibson, you know, small school guy, Stephen F. Austin, hadn't watched him pre-draft and went and watched what I could of him. And I thought it, it almost, I, I was a little bit agitated that they added a guy like Cobb because I'm watching I'm watching Gibson and I'm thinking this guy, like the, the, the explosiveness, the speed, like this guy's going to be a threat. If, you know, if he's good enough to make a roster, obviously this guy's going to be a threat every time you get him the ball. Um, And I feel like he's the guy Cobb would block. And I think that, you know, they gave him that 3 million and he's Rogers, guy, like it, it's going to be, you know, we won't be in the room to know what's going on, but is Aaron Rodgers going to say, look, um, this kid, this, this UDFA is good enough, man. If, if you got to show Randall the door, do it. Is he going to do that, or is he going to be like, hey, man, Randall's my guy. I trust him. I want him on the field. Send that kid to the practice squad and just hope nobody else grabs him. It's That that could be an interesting dynamic, but uh, the the two – I was actually – as I said, I'm doing a 53 right now, and um, I almost, before doing it, because of the Baldinger tweet and because of the episode I did the other day on Brownlee, I, am, I almost did a separate short article saying these two kids – because remember, they got the shout-out from Rodgers after OTAs. Yep. Like these two kids from the get-go have been opening eyes and um, kind of reminds me, you know, one guy made it, one guy didn't. The year Robbie Anderson was the UDFA, there was also Jalen Marshall. And Jalen Marshall was getting more love than Robbie. Um, and he just fizzled because he couldn't hold on to the football. And But Robbie made it and has, for a UDFA, has had a really nice career. So I think if anybody, if Jason Brownlee can be anywhere near what Robbie Anderson was, I think we'd all be thrilled. Totally different types of players. He doesn't have Robbie's oh, for sure. But, you know, better hands, tougher guy. Um, so Brownlee, you know, he was one of my, you know, what was it? We did the the sleepers at the Combine to watch. I had him on there. Um, and Gibson is a guy I hadn't seen at all. But I'm, I'm looking forward to this. 53 is going to be – I want to see how many receivers they carry. They got a lot of good receivers. And it makes me wonder if Corey Davis will be trade bait at some point. Um, having spent all offseason saying – when everyone was saying he was definitely gone, I was like, ah, don't be so sure. But now I think due to an abundance of talent, he might be gone. So it's nothing on him. It's just a, it's a numbers thing where they might say, rather than carry six, let's carry five and see if we can get a pick for Corey. Yeah, I think those two UDFAs plus Randall Cobb is definitely going to be a, a fun battle to watch for wide receiver five or wide receiver six, depending on how many they carry. If you carry you, four tight oh, ends. Cobb, is, Cobb isn't participating, is he? Right now, he's on the pup. Yeah, so I was just not saying but, we haven't heard his name, but of course he's on pup. Yeah, so Jason Brownlee participating with the ones mostly today. He caught two touchdowns, one from Rogers, one from Strevler. But I thought the highlight of the day was a tweet um, that came that said he was up against Sauce one on one, and he beat him for a twenty five yeah. yard gain with Aaron Rodgers. So I thought that was really fun. He's that's obviously funny playing because, special. That's funny, not not to cut you off, but what that reminded me of, and having just mentioned him. When I was at, I covered camp the year Robbie came out as a UDFA, and they had an indoor practice one day. Um, and was it Hackenberg? Was he there? Whoever the quarterback was overthrew him, of course, if it was Hackenberg. Um, but somebody overthrew Robbie when, again, as a UDFA, he smoked Revis. And I remember, like, from my angle, I couldn't see oh, it man. that well. I had to do a double take. I was like, did he just beat Revis deep? And he did. And I was like, 
you know, I already liked him. I, you know, I liked him after, if you look at his college numbers, he had a game against Cincinnati where he had like 11 catches for a million yards and they had a first round corner on their roster. Um, but yeah, when I saw that, I was like, I was already liking him at that point. I was like, I think this kid's going to make it. So I, I thought of that today when I saw Brownlee beat sauce. Yeah, that, that's funny. Uh, the other thing I thought was notable about Jason Brownlee, other than him getting in the end zone, was he's playing more special teams. So they're really trying to fill this guy out to be a complete role as your wide receiver six. Then you flip over to Xavier Gibson, more of like a slot only type of guy, probably competing more directly with Randall Cobb in terms of usage and alignment. And I and went back and I, what's that? And a return man, which will Yes, help exactly. In the return as special teams. Yep. And I went back to the, the hard knocks because I wanted to rewatch the Jets on hard knocks back when they did it in 2010. And it came down to cutting uh, David Clowney in order to eventually bring back Lavernius Coles. And they called up Schottenheimer and they said, Hey, you got, got this kid game planned in the first four weeks. And Shotty was like, mm, no, not really. And I could kind of see that similar thinking with Xavier Gibson because Randall Cobb, will be featured in the game plan in the first four weeks. He will be that safety blanket for Rodgers while he's getting comfortable. Third downs, red zones, that gold zone that, that they do with Hackett. Like Randall Cobb and him are going to be on that same page, and we'll see it when he gets off the pup. So I'm not saying Randall Cobb is some great wide receiver, but when it comes to game planning, that's where I think it's going to be hard for Gibson. But can you risk putting him on the practice squad and having somebody potentially stash to snatch him up? I don't know. Maybe they feel more confident about it, but then you also have Irv Charles who's doing well. So there's tons of players in this mix that all come down to Rogers and the rapport they build with him, plus their ability to be versatile. But those are really the ones to watch out for. The last name I wanted to get to before we get out of here, a rookie, Will McDonald, just he had a small bit of an injury, a leg contusion, missed a couple days of practice when it was non-padded. But in the couple days since that he's returned, he's had a sack or a would-be sack. You can't touch the quarterback. Right. A would-be sack in all three of the practices that he's participated in. I'm not going to say, you know, when they put the pads on in real life, when he's going against other teams' offensive linemen, he's going to be doing the same thing. But I could clearly see a role like a Bryce Huff played last year for – Will McDonald, specifically third downs, third and longs, you know, end of game situations where Will McDonald comes back, comes in, pins his ears back and just goes. It might not be the most productive season for him because he's not, you know, stacked and, and built up with muscle yet. But I'm excited for Will McDonald. And I think he's somebody that Jets fans aren't really paying too much attention to, but is definitely doing his part so far in camp. Yeah, I think because, you know, with everything seems to be circulating around Aaron Rodgers. I feel like that's part of the reason a lot of these guys aren't getting talked about as much as they usually would. But that, that's exactly what I said when they drafted him is that, it, you know, would he have that John Abraham role? Like John Abraham mm -hmm. here with the Jets, um, you know, he had a couple – he only had a few sacks, but a couple of them were game-ending, like fourth quarter, final drive. Um, the, Will McDonald's a guy that, you know, again, because of this heavy rotation, he's going to have fresh legs. You're going to bring him in in the fourth quarter. Maybe, uh, you know, let's see, maybe, maybe you have him in there. Maybe you have him in there with Huff. Like, they, listen, they have, if this, if these guys, and, and, you know, even though Huff, the sack numbers haven't been there, we've seen the pressures, you know, we, we saw Carl Lawson. He's now two years removed from that injury. Maybe he, you know, he's predicted double digit sacks already, but even if he doesn't get the sacks between Lawson, JFM, Huff, McDonald, like they have some legit guys here, man, who can, who can really get to the quarterback. And that's why, and I've said it before, that's as much as I'm 
bullish on this team because of Aaron Rodgers. I'm looking at the corners and the pass rushers and the fact that this is a pass first league. And that's why I like that's why I think this team is good enough to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'll just I'll just say it like that's they're just they should be able to regularly bring pressure because they have a lot of guys who can do it. And if they keep, you know, they keep this rotation going, their offensive linemen are going to be blocking fresh quality pass rushers all day. Yeah, we just talked about the the depth and the possibilities at offensive line. And I think it's just the conversation is 10 times deeper at defensive line because you can play more than, you know, four or five in a game, so to speak. When you play your five offensive linemen, they don't come out of the game. You don't swap out your tackles on first and 10 versus third and 10, you know. So they're the same guys throughout. Your defensive line, you're constantly rotating, keeping fresh. You can have guys like Michael Clemens and Will McDonald come onto the field and I want to see this in the preseason because we saw it with Tanzel Smart and Michael Clemens last year. Mm-hmm. The third and fourth quarter of preseason games this year, I want to see like Michael Clemens, Will McDonald, you know, those types of players going up against third and fourth string or, you know, second and third string offensive tackles and guards and seeing them just dominate. Because I think even though the competition is lessened in the preseason, it's still a good barometer, live hits, you know, real, real bullets coming at you. And Michael Clemens is you could consider him one of the worst defensive linemen on this team. And he still scares the crap out of every offensive lineman. I'm sure he goes across from. So the depth possibilities are endless. Will McDonald just keeps showing up to me when the throwback jerseys were announced kind of keeps it hushed because I didn't know if people would have this like logic of their you know, thought of uh, process of thinking, but I want a Will McDonald Jersey in the throwbacks. It's paying homage to Gastineau. He wore 99 but it's the new era. It's the new pass rusher coming after your quarterback. So Will McDonald's the guy that I want in the, the, the legacy white. I know you're not a huge Jersey guy, but I know you express your excitement. Do you, do you think you're going to buy any jerseys or do you, you're not in the Jersey buying or no, not jerseys. I might, uh, I might get a couple for my kids. Um, okay. You know, yeah. My son loves sauce. Um, yep. My daughter's not as into it as my son is. Um, but <clears throat> I, I might, you know, I, as I said, and, and you're right, I don't get into the uniform stuff, but I do think the uh, it is cool, I think, for fans my age who saw those helmets growing up, like for, just for nostalgia purposes, that's cool. Like that made me smile. It's like, all right, that looks really nice. Um, as far as, you know, they're green jerseys with a white stripe on the sleeve. It's nothing like flashy and amazing. Um, it, it is, again, the nostalgia piece is nice. Um, it, but yeah, any I will be buying merch, but the any jerseys I buy will be for the kids. And I might get some tees and hats or whatever, something like that. Yeah, my hope is that these jerseys become the permanent jerseys. I think that's kind of the the feeling of most of Jets fans is that they become the permanents because right now you can only wear your alternates three times. So you wear your legacy whites twice and then you wear your stealth blacks on Black Friday. And now you got to just wear your normal jerseys throughout. So if you had those legacy whites and the legacy greens all season, you can wear your blacks three times a season. I think that's optimal for the Jets. So let's hope that Woody Johnson listens and makes the the legacy ones the forever ones because I think they finally got a jersey combination right. I think the helmet is the coolest thing. I, yeah. I love the green I like helmet. The helmet. I liked the classic white with the two stripes, but I love the green helmet. I'm not a huge fan of the wording and the font, how they did it now in the one right above my head, but the new one that they have, the throwback 80s, that's just that's the cleanest look that you could have for the Jets jersey. Yeah. Better better than the plane, in my opinion. And I'm a huge fan of the plane. So yeah, I, I, love, I don't know which one I like better, honestly. It's tough, but I think that they they actually knocked it out of the park with this one. I'm excited to see them wear them. Bills and Chiefs, gonna be tough games. 
I feel like uh, I know, I know. If you go zero and if you go zero and two in the legacies, maybe people uh, rethink the the strategy here on the jerseys. But yeah. I'm excited nonetheless. Uh, any other things that we haven't covered here? I know it's been a while since we've been back. Had a lot to cover. No, no. I mean, I, that, that's it. I was hoping we would hit on the uh, the UDFA receivers. I'm I'm a little disappointed. You know, there are some names, some guys who I was hoping and listen i mean no game we haven't had a game yet you know what i mean like right. a guy like you know like uh chaz Surratt, who i like and you know i, I thought we would have a shot i haven't heard his name once um so i don't know if he's not getting on the field but i'm sure he's a guy who's going to get plenty of run in these preseason games um that really all the udfa linebackers i haven't heard any of their names at all um not not just Surratt, but any you know they signed three of them i've not heard them mention one um so not a lot of plays there but Again, once the game starts, and it's a weird thing because people always oh preseason. Who watches preseason? I'm not gonna watch preseason. Like you spent, especially the rookies, you spent all draft season talking about how you wanted to take these guys. This is the most playing time they're gonna get, and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm not watching that crap. Like, what do you? Do? I get that it's preseason, but it's still for all these guys. This is gonna be to me. I look at preseason games for the rookies as like, I don't know, like bowl game plus or whatever. It's still it's the best competition they've ever played. They're going to be playing other guys. Like, you might play in college, and you, you might face a couple of guys who are good enough to be on an NFL roster or in an NFL camp. This is the first time in their lives they're going to play a team where every single guy there at least is in an NFL camp. So this is their, you know, each – this is a, a progressive thing. You know, it, it's the sort of that walk toward making the 53 and playing guys who are good enough to be on regular season rosters. But these, these are going to be the best rosters they've played against, and people oh, – I'm not going to watch that. That's boring. But you watch them against Florida A and M, but you're not gonna like. What do you? I don't get the thought process. Yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, send little stray shots at Zaire Barnes. But if you were a Jets fan and you watched Zaire Barnes tape in college, with before knowing that he was gonna get drafted by the Jets, and then you're gonna sit here and say you're not gonna watch preseason ball where Zaire Barnes is probably gonna play the most, that just doesn't make sense to me. So Weird. I feel like if if you're watching that much film, you should be dedicated to when they make it to the pros and actually see. What happens? Because I think that's part of the draft process that a lot of maybe not a lot of people do, but some people they a week after the draft they're on to the next one. They got their twenty twenty yeah, exactly. whatever mocks out, and they could care less what happens. <laughs> they got their and, dopamine hits, right? Ex exactly. On. Yeah, the day the draft is over, it's just on to the next. And like I can't get with that. I even follow other players. Like I was tweeting about Jaden Reed earlier this morning. He had a nice play at Packers camp, and I'm like, damn, Jaden Reed. He was a guy that I really liked, but. Obviously, I like our wide receiver room. Jaden Reed is somebody I'm going to follow. So just exciting right. stuff there. But glad we can get back on. Uh, you can catch Chris and I tonight at 630. We'll be live again, breaking down our offensive line, doing our summer uh, ranking series that we've been doing. We kind of have to cram it all in. We missed a week last week, so we'll cram it all in, getting it in before the Hall of Fame game. But you got anything coming up that you want to let them know about? Uh, no, I'm just going to be putting, especially with, you know, now that the season's coming, I'll just be putting videos out, whether it's a five minute video, a 20 minute video, just kind of if and when I can. Well, that's for the next couple weeks anyway, then I'll be on vacation for a couple weeks. So I'll probably be extremely scarce for a two week stretch while we're in France. But once I get back, I'll be right back on it. Awesome. Definitely make sure you check out all Glenn's videos. I know he put out two short ones about the Rogers deal. He's been putting them out probably two a week it seems at this point because we have tons of news coming you'll still catch me every thursday you can follow glenn on twitter at jn radio underscore glenn doing this without my notes you can follow me on twitter at d terriman you can follow jet nation on all social media platforms i gotta stop calling it twitter it's now called x but i'll never get over that yeah that's uh, follow a, us on people all know what you're talking media. about 
Yeah, exactly. I'll forever be tweeting and not Xing. Um, <laughs> but we appreciate everybody's uh, viewership. Catch us tonight. Catch Glenn whenever he pops on. And until next time, let's go Jets.